Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Tuesday morning, your Tucson Tuesday. It is 7.02 on this March the 8th, 2022. I am Jeff Dean here with you for the next two hours. We'll be here till uh, till 9 o'clock right here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. So glad to be back on the air with you guys. Had such a great response to yesterday's show, and uh, we put the poll up there. And I have the results because it hasn't closed out yet. Uh, but the results are basically, you know, it's, it's nothing. Nothing's really going to change uh, with about seven minutes left in the poll. Um, but uh, the question yesterday: Should Arizona basketball tank the Pac-12 tournament? For lack of a better term, tanking is, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that they're they they were going to tank, but it, you know, basically, would it be acceptable for Arizona to lose in the first? Uh, matchup in Vegas to in order to rest up, load manage, as Justin Spears put it yesterday when I joined them uh, on the afternoon show. Uh, your thoughts on that? We had 348 votes in the uh, in the poll, so great response, uh, great return on the on the uh, on the poll number on the poll numbers there. And 14% of you said tank it, while the 86% of you said win the damn thing. So listen, I think I think most Wildcat fans are in agreement that. Uh, this whole thing is not cemented. I, I think that there there is still, still some of that belief out there that the disrespect for the West Coast and the Pac-12, and you know, more legitimately, I don't think it's disrespect. It's just more of you know the East Coast bias because there's just so much more activity out there uh, in the Midwest and the East Coast that if Arizona were to lose in the first round to a team, let's say let, let's say ASU is the team that advances. Uh, in on Wednesday in Vegas tomorrow in Vegas against Stanford and they have a, a third game matchup against ASU who's the number 96 team in the NCAA net rankings and if Arizona were to lose that game it'd be like oh man there we go chink in the armor when it all matters Arizona can't compete and you know it's and that wouldn't be the case at all um, but I think there are some people that are, that believe that would be the the national perception and that Arizona would be in jeopardy of losing their one seed status. Now, again, having that one seed isn't like the end all be all. Um, you know, because you know, while it's it's certainly happened now, it's something that I thought I would never never ever see was a 16 seed beating a one seed. I mean, that, I've been doing this for a long time. I mean, I've been I've been working in radio for 24 almost 25 years now, working in sports for nearly 20 of those 25 years. And the one thing that I've always said is that we will never see a 16 seed beat a one seed. And then, of course, it happened when when the uh, the Retrievers beat the Cavaliers just uh, you know several years ago in the first round of the tournament. I, I was just completely shocked, and it wasn't like a buzzer beater. I mean, they completely dominated Virginia in that game. Um, so you know, you can never say never anymore when it comes to the NCAA tournament. The level of of talent that these small conference teams are getting is you know becoming more and more prevalent especially with the transfer portal and stuff I mean, guys are leaving big programs to go start at smaller programs and it makes them a lot more relevant and a lot more dangerous when it comes to uh to postseason play <clears throat> now 
you know, so like you know, before it would be like, oh, the one seed guarantees you one win in the tournament, and beyond that, you know, that's that's pretty much it because then you're going to be playing an eight, eight, nine seed, one of those bubble teams that could be getting hot at the right moment. It's just you know, again, the seeding is one of those things that people make such a big deal about the seedings. Like, oh, it's all about the seedings. Look, it's all about who you play and where you play them. I mean, that's that's really what it comes down to. Arizona doesn't want to be traveling too far. I mean, the statistics are what they are. In the last 34 trips to the NCAA tournament, when Arizona has played uh, in the western portion of the United States, okay, essentially in, 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 the, in the first round, when they've played in a, in a west or if they've played in a region that allows them to play in a west coast city or you know, something west of essentially like west of Texas, let's say, um, Arizona has advanced and won both games of the weekend 13 of those 17 times that they've played in the West. The 17 times that they've played east of Texas, essentially, they've done it, as I mentioned, 17 times in 17 uh, places, cities, whatever, 17 seasons. They've advanced only four times. They've won both games only four times of the 17. So it's it's very obvious that you want to play those first-round games as close to home as possible. It's just that much important, uh, that much more important. Beyond that, second weekend, who cares where you play? You're in the Sweet 16 at that point. You're one of the, the, the you know the 16 elite teams in the country. You're going to be playing somebody really good. It doesn't matter where you play them uh, anymore. But in the first rounds, it absolutely matters. So it's important to have a high enough seed to be able to not lobby the NCAA the way that Coach K has been doing for the you know for the last I don't know umpteen years he's been doing it and you know essentially sending letters to the NCAA begging them to put the Duke in a specific city or in a specific region which I think is absolutely ridiculous uh, and and look he's not the only guy that does it he's just the most prevalent guy that does it um, you know, for Arizona to play in a city that they're familiar with, or in a city where the Arizona fans, most importantly, the Arizona fans can travel to, or where Arizona has a large alumni base, such as San Diego, or you know places like Anaheim, or things like that. Now, Arizona has not done well in Anaheim. I think it's just been more of a recent uh, kind of situation. You know, previously they've done really, really well in SoCal. So, I think it's more important just for you know for us to realize that it's not about the seating so much as it is where you play and who you play. Uh, that's the most important thing. Arizona is going to play a, a a small team, a team from a small conference in the first game, regardless of whether they're a one seed or a two seed. Arizona will not fall out of the two seed spot. I can guarantee you that much. Uh, you know, I was arguing yesterday that I think Arizona should be the number one overall seed right now just based on their resume. Their resume is better than Gonzaga's resume right now. So the fact that Gonzaga is just the, uh, you know, the 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 given of the overall number one seed, I think is still kind of, I think it's kind of a bias, based on the preseason poll, the the expectations of that team. That's the best team in the country right there. They're the preseason number one. Blah 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 blah. So you know, they they kind of everybody kind of has that in the back of their head. They're still the best, and even though the metrics still have them as the number one overall team. Ken Palm doesn't have any bias as to a preseason poll. They still have Gonzaga over Arizona, but it is such a narrow, narrow margin. And I think, as I mentioned yesterday, you know, and I, in fact, it's funny, there was an article yesterday, I didn't get a chance to read the whole thing. I read uh, just, you know, snippets and pieces of it as I was kind of just working through the day yesterday. And it basically said that 
the quad, you shouldn't weigh two, you know, things too heavily on quad one victories. What do your quad two and three games say about you? Those are the ones that are going to tell you how you're going to do in the tournament. And as I mentioned yesterday, Arizona is 12-0 and in their quad two and three games as opposed to Gonzaga, who is 4-0 and in their quad two and three games. So Arizona has had a lot more experience in playing those games than has Gonzaga and without a blemish on their record. Um, so, you know, like, I, like I said yesterday, I think I still think Arizona should be the number one overall seed. And even if Arizona loses on Thursday, if that were to happen, I still think Arizona is a number one seed because I believe, and I do have some faith in the, uh, in the committee, that they will recognize what Arizona has done, some of the victories that they have had, the way that they have beaten teams specifically at home, uh, but the way that they have beaten teams and competed against other teams, the way that other teams this you know this season, you know, when you compare Arizona to other the other top, let's say the other top eight teams in the country, you know all those teams have had weird stumbles. Like why 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 they lose to you know to this team or you know why did you know why did Auburn lose to uh, I can't remember who the the team in the SEC that was it South Carolina or something like that. They lost to a bad team in in, in the SEC. Uh, you know why why did they lose that game? You know. And, Arizona's worst loss of the year is essentially the game at Colorado, a 16-point loss to the Colorado Buffs, who are the four seed in the Pac-12 tournament. So, uh, you know, and, and I think a lot of people understand that playing in Colorado is a very difficult thing, and every team stubs their toe. Every team has a clunker, and Arizona had one of those that night in Boulder, or that afternoon in Boulder. It's happened many times before. I've I've been in Boulder when it's happened. I've been sitting there alongside Brian Jeffries when when it happened. I got kicked in the back of the head by a student who was climbing over the scorer's table to get onto the court to then punch Caleb Tarzuski in the back. Like I I was there. I saw the whole thing. Like it's a difficult place to play. Um, so I, again, I don't believe that Arizona falls out of the one seed regardless of what happens in Vegas, but. It sure would be nice to win the thing because, as I mentioned yesterday, I feel like Sean Miller made Las Vegas a focal point for this program and as sending a message to the other 11 programs in the conference that you can you, you can put your schedule together during the regular season. The Pac-12 will tell us who we're playing on what weekends and where we're playing throughout the conference season. But when it comes to Vegas, you're going to have to prepare to go through Arizona, period. You're going to have to play against our fans, and you're going to have to play against our team playing at its very best, period. If you want to try to win that tournament, you got to go through Arizona. I mean, look what happened last year. I mean, there was chaos last year in the Pac-12 tournament, right? Arizona's not in it. We self-sanctioned, so we couldn't play in any, any of the postseason tournaments, so Pac-12 tournament's out. Oregon State wins the thing, then goes on a run to the Elite Eight. Oregon won three games this year. Three. Three and 27. The worst, the worst record. In program history, <laughs> I mean, it's like they're one in nineteen in the conference this year. They were god awful, and they returned three starters from that team that went to the Elite Eight last year. So, it would be great for Arizona to win three games in Vegas, come out on top, bring back another trophy, and look. Let's be honest here. Let, let I mean, let's just scrub it right down to the core, okay? And the things that really, really matter. Tommy Lloyd doesn't really care what Arizona's perception is nationally as far as the seedings go. What Tommy Lloyd is doing is preparing to win the game against the team that they are playing next. 
Period. End of story. That's it. I mean, that's when you when you take it right down to the bone. That's exactly what is happening with Arizona basketball. I mean, there are other balls in the air, of course. You know, recruiting and things like that. And of course, Arizona going to be getting some maybe some really good news tomorrow with a uh, with a with a recruiter. We'll talk about that. Um, you know, they missed out on one KJ. KJ Simpson goes to Colorado this year and it performed well as a freshman uh, for Tad Boyle. There's another KJ, KJ Lewis, who is going to be. Uh, essentially, you know, going to be making his decision um, nationally tomorrow on what school he's going to be attending in the 22-23 season. And Arizona right now is the favorite to land K.J. Lewis, who has a lot, a lot of top-tier uh, offers, scholarship offers right now. So, I mean, there's other balls in the air than that. But when you take it right down to the bone, Tommy Lloyd is focused on one thing. That is winning the game against the team that they have next on their schedule. And right now, Arizona doesn't know who it is. They've performed extremely well against both of the teams that they are projected to play in the Pac-12 tournament, so they can prepare for both, you know, either or of them. But I think that, that when, you know, when it all boils down to it, why not get that practice in right now and in, in having that, okay, we got to play these guys next, we got to play them tomorrow, let's get ready for it. You know, get your guys in the mindset. People talk about the lack of experience in this team, the lack of tournament experience in this team. Why not give them a three-game experience in Las Vegas? Yeah, I know it's against the Pac-12, but guess what? Those teams are going to be playing are fighting for their NCAA tournament lives because right now the Pac-12's got three teams in. Three, that's it. It's Arizona, UCLA, and USC. Everybody else is out. Like Oregon, no. You can't lose by 20 on the, the final weekend to Wazoo and expect to get in, especially with their roller coaster of a season and the games that they lost to, the way they were blown out by bad team. They lost a cow by 16 points, for God's sakes. So, you know, <laughs> you know they're out. I mean, Oregon has to go in and win that damn thing if they want to get to the, to the NCAA tournament. Colorado has to win at least two games if they want to get into the NCAA tournament. ASU, Stanford. Washington, all of those teams have to win the entire tournament if they want to go dancing. Otherwise, it's the NIT or nothing. So those teams are going to be playing hard trying to win that tournament. It's going to be important for Arizona to get that experience because these teams are fighting to play the next day. The same way that you're going to be fighting against teams in the NCAA tournament, whatever city and whatever building you're playing in, because they want to play tomorrow. They don't want their season to end for some of them. Some of the players on some of those teams, they don't want their careers to end that night. It's do or die. So for Arizona, it's going to sharpen that edge that much more, that much finer, if they can go in and compete hard and compete in the way that they have competed all season long to try to win that Pac-12 tournament. It's not about seeding. Nobody in that building cares about their seed. Yeah, it would be nice to get a one seed. If they get a two seed, oh, well. We're going to continue to play Arizona basketball. We're going to go out there. We're going to try to compete, and we're going to prepare to win the next game on our schedule. And that's all they're that's all they're concerned about. Do I think Arizona is going to win the Pac-12 tournament? I absolutely do. I absolutely think they're going to win the Pac-12 tournament. I don't know why they wouldn't. They're far and away the best team in this conference, and they're one of the three or four, five best teams in the entire country. If Arizona doesn't win the Pac-12 tournament, it will be an upset. It will be. But we'll see. Again, it, Tommy Lloyd may take the you know take the the uh, the, the the road of we're going to play some backups. We're going to get you know legs underneath our guys. But here's the other thing, you know, I went and looked at this yesterday after the show 
um, as far as like total minutes played in in regards to the Pac-12 of the top, I think it's the top 15 guys in average minutes per game. Only Benedict Matherin shows up on that list for Arizona. He's like ninth, I think, ninth in the conference in, in minutes played or average minutes per game. Everybody else is below 15. That's some of the advantages of being up 30 in conference games. You can have a, a more loose rotation. You can get guys like Adama Ball and Shane Noel into games and give them considerable minutes in the final weekend of your regular season. So it's not like these guys have been playing 36 minutes a game for the last three months. They've been playing 29, 28 minutes a game. So, again, like I said yesterday, if this team looked gassed, if they looked winded, if they didn't look like they had their legs, I would say maybe you consider it. But this team's firing on all cylinders right now. Let them play. Roll the ball out there. Let's have some fun. Let's, let's I mean, let's put on a show in Vegas. Win the damn thing. Bring home another trophy. You know, I was talking with, with one of the coaches after the game on Saturday and uh, I said, you know, y'all got two more trophies to bring back home, right? And he just looked at me and he said, we know. Yeah, like, we get it. <laughs> we know. We're like, we, I share those same sentiments with you. Two more trophies to bring home. The first one's in Las Vegas. And I think that Arizona will do that. And I think Arizona will play hard. And I think Arizona will win that tournament. The predictions for Pac-12 Men's Basketball Individual Awards. I'm going to give my predictions uh, in the next segment here. We'll do the full thing. I'll, I'll do first team, second team, honorable mention for all Pac-12. I'll do the freshman team, the defensive team. Like we'll do, I'll run through the whole gamut because I think it's important that that uh, that we understand just how special of a season this was. Because I was putting together my list, I'm like, am I going too heavy on Arizona here? And then you go through the like the the, the performances and the stats and stuff, and you're like, no, actually, I think I might be taking it easy <laughs> on, on the rest of the conference by not putting you know more Arizona players up higher in some of these some of these lists so we'll talk about that next coming up uh one of the one of the things that I love about betting on FanDuel Sportsbook is that I'm always finding new ways to mix and match player props that I like so for instance last night I was like you know what I'm gonna go searching for some of the bigs in the NBA and I'm gonna put a a fun parlay together I I like to have fun with my I'm not a I'm not a big serious gambler I don't take it too seriously. I don't bet huge numbers. I like to. I like to win. Obviously, that's like that's the most important thing to me is, is winning. I it just. I just want to know that I was right. That's more important to me than the money kind of thing. Which is why I don't bet big numbers. So what I did last night in the NBA, I took four of the bigs in in the NBA. I had I had Joel Embiid, I had Bam Adebayo, I had Carl Anthony Towns, uh, and I had Nikola Jokic, and I bet all of them to to get a double double and for their team to win the game. And you know what? All four of those things happened. It, it was a it was kind of a, a four slash eight leg parlay, and it came through, and it was a hell of a lot of fun because I'm screaming for Bam Adebayo. He had nine and nine going into the fourth quarter. I'm like, just one and one, Bam, just one and one. Let's go! And uh, it, it just it created a lot of fun for me. And what I also was able to do is I was able to mix in just a couple on the side, a couple of the teams that I thought were really going to win their games, and I coupled that with a couple of NHL games. And it, you, you make this multi-leg SGP plus that they're allowed uh, that you're allowed to do on FanDuel now, where you can mix leagues in same-game parlays, and I won that one too. 
So last night was a lot of fun for me. Now, if you're choosing your own same-game parlays, um, if, if it seems a little, like, daunting to you, there are fun, like, matchups and, and uh, like, celebrity-type, uh, uh, like, say, SGPs that they feature on the site. You go up there, you just click on that, and you say, oh, uh, Colin Cowherd uh, likes this parlay tonight. I might play the same thing. That seems like fun to me. And boom, you may, uh, you know, you may get a winner there. Just know that in the month of January alone, 14,000 customers won $1.1 million during that blo- the Bucks lakers game because of the SGPs that are available to you on FanDuel Sportsbook. So if you're new to FanDuel Sportsbook, sign up with my promo code DEAN, that's D-A-N, and you're going to get your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. 21 and over in President Arizona, first online real money wager only. Refund is usually on non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342. Predicting the Pac-12 Basketball Individual Awards next, right here on The Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to The Jeff Dean Show. Uh, forgot to mention, I mean, I didn't forget to mention, we have still plenty of time. But the, uh, we'll still have those Sammy Hagar tickets for today. Listening for your cue to call. Sammy Hagar and George Thorogood at the Auction Pavilion. That's up here in Phoenix. Uh, taking place on September 7th. Be listening for your cue to call for that. That could happen within the next, anytime in the next 90 minutes. We could be doing that. So be listening for your cue to call. All right. Predictions for the Pac-12. Um, we're going to do individual, you know, and team kind of, you know, situations here. We're just going to go through these. First team, I've got Terrell Brown of Washington. These are going to be mostly in alphabetical order. Uh, Terrell Brown of Washington, Tiger Campbell, Johnny Juzang, Christian Coloco, Benedict Matherin, Isaiah Mobley, uh, Will Richardson, Azulis Tabellis, Jabari Walker of Colorado. Those are that's the nine of the of the, the for the first team. And then I was kind of like, okay, now who do I put in there as my tenth first team player? And you know, there was a lot of candidates, you know, for that number ten spot. And I'll tell you why I decided on who I decided on. Because the other nine, I'm like, you know, these are you know these are the best players in the league. I mean, I know Jaime Hawkins isn't on that list, but he struggled a lot and he had the concussion and things like that. I just feel like you know, Jaime was was better placed in in the second team. Spoiler alert. My tenth player that I put on the on the first team is going to surprise a lot of people, and it it probably is some bias. But I'll tell you, I, I have some numbers to back me up here. I put Kirk Creesa on the first team. Anybody who can play the point guard position for as many minutes as he did in this offense, the offense that led the Pac-12 in just about every single category. Kirk Creesa was also second in assists per game in the conference. And had uh, Deshaun Davis played all 20 games for Oregon State, uh, Kirk Creesa would have been first in assists per game because he was also first in overall assists by I think like seven or eight. And he gets seven or eight more assists than, than Deshaun Davis did. So he's second in assists per game, first in overall assists. He was third in assist-to-turnover ratio. His assist-to-turnover ratio is 2.2, which is really good for the pace at which Arizona plays uh, and the amount of times that Kirk Carissa is uh, distributing the basketball, handling the basketball. He was also second in the conference in three-point field goals made, and he shot over 35% from three, which is, look, I mean, 
anytime you're around, anytime you're in that 36 percent range, you're considered a dangerous three-point shooter. That's a that's a that's a good three-point shooter. 36. He was at 35.3 percent for the season, and he was an 83 percent free throw shooter. So, why not per- Kirk Creesa on the first team? I mean, he was the point guard for the best offense in the conference and arguably one of the best, one of the five best offenses in the entire country. And he improved as the season got along. His shot selection got a lot better. He got more confident in his jump shot. And he was a much better playmaker in confined spaces. So I think Kirk Kreisa gets the, gets the nod for the 10th spot in that first team. And I know that I don't know. In fact, I don't know if you'll if you'll find any of the uh, you know whatever the, the journalists or whatever that are out there that are predicting their first team Pac tens Pac twelves. I don't think any of them will put Kirk Crease in there. But he when when I was looking at the numbers yesterday and I was breaking them all down, I'm like, he deserves to be in there. Second team, all Pac twelve team. I have uh, Dale Terry, DT of course, uh, Drew Peterson. At USC, who I almost I was flirting with putting him in the first team, but I just I felt like the first half of the conference season he wasn't that great lately. He's been fantastic. Uh, I have Jaime Jaquez on the second team, Michael Flowers at Wazoo, good good score, uh, and Jordan Shepard. I, I I was impressed by how Jordan Shepard competed all season long for Cal. He seemed like he was the only player late that even gave a rip about uh, about Cal. Maybe it was selfish, but he's a good scorer. He's a tough player, and I put Jordan Shepard on the second team. And for honorable mention, I have Evan Batty of uh, Colorado. Led the conference in three-point field goal percentage, did Evan Batty, the big man. Jules Bernard at UCLA. Um, I have two SC guys in Boogie Ellis and Chavez Goodwin. I thought both of them played well uh, for, for USC, the third-best team in the conference. And Brandon Carlson, the really good scorer from, uh, from Utah. That's my honorable mention. All-freshman team, obviously – Harrison Ingram's going to be on that list. K.J. Simpson from Colorado had a really nice season for a freshman uh, under Tad Boyle. Who, you know, Tad doesn't play a lot of freshmen, and uh, K.J. got a lot of minutes for him this year. Uh, I have Lazar Stefanovic at Utah. I have Glenn Taylor Jr. at Oregon State. And I have Mohamed Gouye, who I think he's won four of the last five Freshman of the Week awards in the Pac-12. He has really come on, and he's the guy that's going to be pushing Harrison Ingram for that Freshman of the Year award. Good good young players, Mohamed Gouye. The all-defensive team, I have F.A. Abogidi at Wazoo. Good shot blocker, rim protector, pretty uh, average rebounder, but a, but a good defender. And then, I'm telling you, man, it's a parade of Wildcats. Like, I have Jabari Walker also from Colorado, real good defensive player. He's, he, I think he's their, defense, their best defensive. He's their best all-around player. Uh, but I have, I have Jabari Walker as, as, an, as an all-defensive player. But I've also got on the all-defensive team, I've got Dalen Terry. We all, we all respect Dalen for his defense and the fact that he can D up anyone, any position on the court. Christian Coloco led the conference in block shots. He'll be up for defensive player of the year in the country this year, Will Christian Coloco. And I have Benedict Matherin. And, look, I know that Tommy on two separate occasions, at least two separate occasions, has publicly called out Benedict Matherin for his defense, basically saying that it wasn't good enough. The reason he called him out is because in comparison to how well he has played defense throughout the year, that particular night just wasn't a good night for Ben. And you expect him to play great defense. And he really is a much better defender than people give him credit for. If you know what you're looking for, you know, a lot of people just watch Ben for his offense. But you watch, if you know what you're looking for and you know what's expected out of a player of of 
his athleticism, his caliber, his size, and who he's defending on the court. He's an extremely good defender. Very, very good. Not, you know, he's not Rondé Hollis Jefferson, you know, elite level status like that, but he's a very good defender, and he definitely belongs on the all-defensive team. Um, the six-man award, I mentioned this yesterday, Umar Balo, he's the one and only choice in my opinion. I don't know if, if there's anybody else in the conference that comes close uh, to winning the six-man award. Maybe Booth Gotch at Utah, but but it, it, it's not close, really. <laughs> uh, most improved player, I, I think 99.9% of America would agree that Christian Coloco is the most improved player in the conference, maybe the most improved player in the country. Freshman of the year, I'm going to go ahead and give it to Harrison Ingram. I liked his rebounding for his position. Uh, the fact that he grabbed, I think, just like 7 or 7.2 rebounds per game is pretty impressive for a freshman that plays his position. Um, he's you know, a big kid, can score, can shoot, can run the, you know, run the floor. He, he's, yeah, he's a good player. He's a good young player. Uh, Defensive Player of the Year, Christian Coloco, no doubt about it. I I mean, that's a a unanimous decision there, uh, Defensive Player of the Year. Another unanimous decision would be the John Wooden Award for the Coach of the Year. That's Tommy Lloyd. And, of course, the Player of the Year, another unanimous decision, Benedict Matherin wins that. So, again, I know it's a parade of Wildcats, and I probably sound horribly biased here, but you're not going to find – I don't think you'll find that my list is all that different from anyone else's uh, that covers this conference. Arizona was just – that dominant this year in the in the Pac-12, and they deserve all of the accolades that they get this postseason. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When I return, Calvin Ridley suspended one year for betting on NFL games. Is it right? Is the NFL hypocritical? A lot to discuss here coming up next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show. I'm Jeff Dean here with you on this Tucson Tuesday morning. It is 740 be listening for your chance to win those Sammy Hagar tickets. Could be coming up at any point in time throughout the show. Your cue to call uh, to win those tickets. We had a very, very excited and happy winner yesterday. Uh, Mr. Keith Harrell won his tickets yesterday. You could be a winner today. Be on the listen for that. All right, Calvin Ridley uh, suspended one year for betting on NFL games. The uh, th- Look, there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, you know, as somebody who – engages in sports betting look i'm not gonna lie i i endorse a product i endorse FanDuel sportsbook and i have ever since july when it became legal to do so here in the state of arizona this was a deal that was in place for quite some time we knew it was coming um and i embraced it and it look it's it's you know i i yes i do uh endorse their product and i do shill for them or whatever but you know anybody else wants you know whatever you want to call it but I also think it's important for there to be integrity in the world of sports, the world of sports gambling, and I also think it's important that people check themselves. Look, I, I, you know, I think I've mentioned this before. Now, before I get into this whole Calvin Ridley thing, um, you know, I was I was in a relationship many years ago um, with uh, with a girl whose mom had a a severe gambling problem, and I was very young at the time, and I wasn't really. I knew about drug addiction and alcohol addiction and nicotine addiction and all that. You know, I knew about all those other addictions. I had never really seen nor experienced or heard, really, of gambling addiction. And I'll tell you what, 
I've experienced all of them. I've, you know, I've been close to people with drug addiction problems and alcohol addiction. I mean, I've seen it all. The gambling addiction problem is one of the ugliest, most difficult, and and life-altering addictions that I have witnessed in my life. And this wasn't even, you know, her, her mom wasn't even, like, the worst, not even close to the worst of the worst. Like, I mean, she was bad. But it caused them to lose their business. They lost their house. I mean, they lost everything because she couldn't kick the habit. So that's why I always say, look, it's, it's very, very important. If you think you have a gambling problem, seek help, okay? So I want to... I want to preface all of that by saying that. Okay, all of all of what I'm about to say, I'm going to preface it by saying that. Um, you know, as I mentioned, I'm not somebody. You know, uh, you know, in in my the, the, the endorsement read that I just made for FanDuel Sportsbook, I'm not, I don't bet big numbers. Like my buddies all give me, you know, they give me crap. They're like, "Hey, why don't you put some real money on those games?" I'm like, because I don't want to get emotionally involved like that. Like I'd rather just have fun with it. And if I win, great. I've got a little more money to have fun with. And if I don't, oh, gosh, I just lost $10 while watching some basketball, which I would be doing anyway, and experiencing a little more fun doing it. Darn. So, listen, I want to preface all that by saying, before anybody says, Jeff Dean's a hypocrite for calling out, you know, Calvin Ridley for betting when he does all this betting himself, okay? So I want to preface it by saying all that. All right. So here's the deal. Calvin Ridley bet. The, the report is is that he bet the the total sum of fifteen hundred dollars during a a weekend of NFL action where he bet he made three he had three separate cards he had a three game NFL parlay a five game NFL parlay and an eight game NFL parlay all money line parlays and all of them including the Atlanta Falcons the team that he was currently employed by although he was on. Uh, essentially non, uh, non-football non injury leave for a, a, a mental issue that he was going through, uh, emotional issue, and he had to step away from, uh, you know, from the game of football to, to get his mind right. I certainly know a lot about that. It just happened recently. This is my second day back after three and a half weeks off of doing my own non-football injury, uh, you know, time away from work, um, even though I was still working 14 hours a day during it, but regardless. So he was he was under the employ of the NFL, specifically the Atlanta Falcons. Was betting on his own team. Now he did bet the Atlanta Falcons to win, okay, and he was not playing. He wasn't even in, involved in the games. So why is the NFL suspending him for one year? How did this all come to light? Is the NFL hypocritical uh, in their discipline? Does the NFL have a discipline problem? In fact, I just put that out on the uh, uh, on Twitter there at UAZ Voice. You can find me at UAZ Voice. Follow me there on Twitter. I just put the poll up. Is the NFL in the right or are they in the wrong for their suspension of one year of Calvin Ridley for betting on NFL games? The NFL has come under fire in the last 24 hours or so, I guess, maybe even less. We've, we found out about it shortly after I signed off, of course, yesterday, about 10 o'clock in the morning that Calvin Ridley was being suspended. Apparently the Falcons knew about this for quite some time because teams were inquiring about Calvin Ridley and they were saying in good faith, we can't trade him because there's something about to happen. So, was he informed? Let's start. Let's start at the basic. People, I'm, I'm going to answer some questions for you guys because I know that these questions are out there. I've, I've been answering these questions on Twitter on other people's accounts that are asking. Uh, so I'll try to help you guys here on on the show right now. Was Calvin Ridley informed by the league that betting is illegal and a punishable offense? Yes, 100 percent, absolutely, 100 percent, guaranteed, absolutely. 
Yes. Positively, absolutely yes. He was informed by the league. Every player is informed by the league. Every player not only gets a handwritten document stating that it is illegal to gamble on the NFL as a player, as an employee of the NFL, they also watch a, an instructional video that is headlined by Josh Shaw, whom uh, in, in, it was just a couple of years ago, uh, 2000, uh, three years ago, 2019, Josh Shaw was a reserve defensive back for the Arizona Cardinals, was betting on the NFL, essentially got banned from the league for it. And in these instructional videos, there's, there's an instructional video that has been shown for the last couple of seasons to every single player and every single employee on an NFL roster that features a, a five-minute segment of Josh Shaw talking about his experience and you know, essentially what happened in his life and why it is, why it is so important for players and employees of the NFL to not gamble on the NFL. So, yes, I can tell you without question, Calvin Ridley absolutely was made aware of the fact that you could be punished and very, very severely by the NFL if you are caught gambling on the NFL. So there goes that. Because I think the perception was that I saw yesterday is like, well, baseball made it very obvious you can't gamble on, on baseball games. That's been you know kind of a, a, a topic for, for Major League Baseball for 100 years. Everybody knows it. But is it, is it the same way in the NBA and the NFL? Yes. <laughs> yes. And I'll tell you why. There's a partnership between the pro leagues and these sports books, specifically now that is it has become you know much more rampantly legal across the country. What is uh, there twenty twenty six states now? I think where it's where it's legal to do online sports gambling. Um, over half the country has has it legalized now, and people are saying that the NFL is hypocritical for essentially. You know, having a parade of of commercials of DraftKings and FanDuel and MGM and all this other stuff, like all these different sports books, all these different online sports book, and then they turn around and they make it illegal for their players to do it. As a as a business owner, I can tell you this: when you enter when you enter into a partnership with with another entity, okay, you need to make sure that there is an integrity based you know, essentially foundation between those two. For instance, now this is, has a very, very minute comparison and is not even on the same scale as what we're talking about here. But in my company, my employees, at the, when they perform, at, you know, at one of the bars here in town, okay, they're not allowed to sit down at the bar after the, after the show and get snocker drunk. Go somewhere else, okay? I don't want you getting drunk at some bar where we've just performed for the last two to three hours, okay, and and then for you to you know and you know for you to say everybody everybody get home safely. If you've had too much to drink, make sure you get a ride from a designated driver or call a Uber, an Uber and a Lyft. We get we offer uh, gift certificates and things like that for Ubers and Lyfts, all that kind of stuff to show people that look, it's okay to go out and have a good time and have some drinks, but do it responsibly. And then to have my employees sit there at the bar and get stinking drunk in front of these people would be ridiculous. So. You are not allowed, you are absolutely not allowed in my company to go get drunk at the bar that you just performed at. Go somewhere else, go home, whatever. Don't, don't do it with the partnership, the partnership that we have with this particular client. In the NFL, the last thing that you want to do 
is have the integrity of your sport and or a sports book compromised because you have players openly, you know, just essentially placing money on themselves or their teams or other teams or whatever in a sport where they have inside information and things like that. It just breaks down the integrity of that partnership. Uh, now, i got to take a break, but there's still a whole lot more to uncover here on this, on the the in what people are calling the hypocrisy of the NFL, which I don't think is hypocrisy at all. It's just smart, savvy business, and it's how you do things in the world. We'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Now the poll is up on Twitter and it's rolling. Already plenty of votes. Fans saying, fans, listeners saying that the uh, the NFL was wrong in its suspension of Calvin Ridley. I think one of the things that people are really kind of clamping onto it and look rightfully so okay is the fact that if you if you beat a woman okay if you like ray rice okay let's just say ray rice originally was suspended two games for the uh for the domestic abuse of his fiance at the time then the video comes out we all saw it and i look i i mentioned this story in a lot of you know, a lot of stories that I tell and stuff like that on the air when I'm making comparisons to things or just in life for that matter. Um, How once we saw the video, the brutality of it, he got suspended for the season and wasn't reinstated and all this other stuff and essentially got pushed out of the league. Nobody would touch him. But we had to kind of see it to be like, oh, my God, that's terrible. Like, well, what did you think domestic violence looks like? (laughs) Like, You know, okay, Uh, it's terrible. Regardless of what it looks like, it's horrible. And there are other people have done other things. Ray Lewis stabbed somebody and killed somebody. And, you know, all those things had to play out in the court of law. There's a big difference here. All of those, those disciplinary actions are all kind of agreed upon between the NFL and the NFL Players Association. They're, they're negotiated and they're agreed upon in the, in the collective bargaining agreement. <clears throat> the one thing that isn't is gambling. The NFL has autonomous power in the terms of in the world of disciplining players for gambling because it doesn't happen very often. It's, it's five times the NFL has this is the fifth time in the history of the NFL that the NFL has found out and disciplined someone for gambling on the sport. I mentioned Josh Shaw, he was suspended for a year and never allowed reinstatement into the NFL. Art Schleister is probably the biggest story of this whole thing back in 1983 when he was caught essentially running a gambling ring of NFL players. He was banned from the league for life. Like, goodbye, gone. Never allowed to come back again. Two Hall of Famers. In 1963, Alex Karras of the Detroit Lions and Paul Horning of the Green Bay Packers. Both were suspended one year for being caught gambling on the NFL. Those are the only five times it happened. Now the Calvin Ridley thing. This is only five times it's happened in NFL history. Uh, you know, guys like Henry Ruggs, you know, things like horrible, horrible things happen like vehicular manslaughter and drunken driving and all this other stuff. Those happen five times a year, not not five times in the last 70. So it's a lot more, 
we, we, we see it a lot more. So we're, we're a little more passionate about those things like domestic violence. And we should be. These are all very, very important issues. But we also have to remember that these are bargained upon. They're negotiated by the Players Association. In regards to gambling on the NFL, everyone agrees. The, the, the PA and the NFL are in agreement can't do it like period there's there's no line of demar there's no like okay well he just did fifteen hundred dollars that's not too much and he bet on his team to win and he wasn't even playing there's no negotiation there you bet on the nfl you're done for a year period maybe more you're lucky we might reinstate you they've taken this very seriously for a long long time this is nothing new folks it's not like this is the first time it's happened the nfl just went bam here's the hammer So we're going to continue to talk about this because I don't think people understand the history of how important it is in the NFL and why it's so important. We'll talk about that coming up in hour number two, along with a lot of other things. Plus, we got the Sammy Hagar tickets. Be ready for those. You're cue to call for that. In just a quick little two-minute turnaround, we'll be right back. Here's the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Casino Del Sol Studio, the soul of Tucson. This is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson. KWCX Tank of Verde. KMXZ HD4 Tucson.